Good morning, beloved. God calls you the apple of his eye. Isn't that the beautiful picture this morning? We are indeed loved. Happy Labor Day. I met uh, an unusual number of new people this morning, so I trust family uh, is in town. Uh, have you barbecued yesterday, barbecue today, barbecue tomorrow? <laughs> Can you get enough of barbecue? <laughs> oh, never! Oh, well, um, my name's Todd Lanting. I'm the teaching pastor here at West Bowles Community Church. Uh, for those of you who uh, haven't had the pleasure of meeting yet, uh, we're glad you're here. Thank you for being part of uh, what around Christian churches today is called the few, the proud, the Labor Day crowd. <laughs> so good for you. I'm glad you're here this morning. Um, as teaching pastor here, this is my favorite book. It's not uh, Hunger Games. Although, no, um, this is the Bible. Uh, are you hungry for God's word this morning? Boy, I am too. Would you please turn in your Bibles, open your apps to uh, Matthew chapter 7. Uh, Matthew chapter 7 is where we'll begin this morning. Um, the passage that um, I'm about to read this morning is a passage that has been misinterpreted, misquoted, and misapplied. That's a lot of misses. Uh, maybe more than any other in the Bible, in my opinion. And because of those misses, this passage is also, it finds itself on many people's favorite passages in all the Bible. We like the misinterpretation. And we like it especially when uh, we want to justify our own bad behavior, our own sin, and we don't want to be held accountable for it. And you say, well, what passage does all that? Funny you should ask. Your Bibles are open to Matthew chapter 7, I trust. I'll begin reading at verse 1. Jesus said, do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. This is the very word of God. Amen? Do not judge. 
Jesus says here. The Greek verb there is krino. Say krino. Good job. It means to separate, to make a distinction between things. It refers to the act of evaluating something in terms of it being right or wrong and then making a judgment call on the basis of that evaluation. And so standing all by itself, that do not judge command, Jesus at first might seem to say, do not crino, do not make a distinction between things. Don't evaluate something in terms of it being right or wrong, good or bad. Do not crino, do not judge. Now I hope all of you in here, as soon as you hear me say that, I hope a great big red flag comes up. That come up for you? Do you feel uncomfortable when I was saying that? It should. We should all wave a red flag. And you should begin thinking something like, wait a minute, doesn't the Bible also say we are to make distinctions between right and wrong, between good and bad? Aren't we supposed to be discriminating in the choices that we make? And of course, you'd be right. See, I just made a judgment there. You'd be right. And that's how this verse is so often misinterpreted, misquoted, and misapplied. That misapplication tends to come up when when someone's confronted with wrong behavior and, and they try to use this verse as a way to excuse themselves by saying, don't judge me. Judge not. They get all King James on you. Don't, or judge not, lest ye be judged. And then sometimes even outside the Christian community, they know this verse really well. And they'll tack on just to kind of get at us as believers. You know, Jesus says, don't judge me. But like so many times, so many times when we helicopter into Scripture and tear a verse out of its context, we end up with a wrong interpretation. And that's what happens here in many cases. In this case, Jesus' instruction of do not judge, however, does not stand alone. You have to look at the context. First of all, the context of the rest of Scripture. I've got a few examples for you, and there are many, many more. The Bible says, for example, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. Well, think about that. In order to figure out what the good is to hold on to, in order to figure out what evil it is we're to reject, we're to test that, you have to make a judgment call there, don't you? And in Colossians, the Apostle Paul writes, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. And again, how are we to distinguish between what's Christ versus what is only human tradition and worldly spiritual forces if we don't make a judgment call? The Apostle John weighs in in his first letter, Dear Friends, he writes, Don't believe every spirit, 
But test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Again, you see that necessity to discriminate between two things, to decide what's good and evil. And then in the immediate context of Matthew chapter 7, Jesus finishes his same thought this way. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. So obviously we're being asked, we got to judge if something's a dog or a hog, right? And then there's Jesus himself, our brother, who in the power of the Holy Spirit we're to be like. Jesus discerned between right and wrong all the time. It's what he taught. It's what he lived for heaven's sakes. Literally, for heaven's sake. And so Jesus' instruction here, do not crino, do not judge, it can't mean in its context that we don't make judgment calls between right and wrong. Because we have to do that in order to know how to obey, in order to know how to best live our lives as children of God, in order to discover how it is we love God and love others. So if that's not it, what, what is it that Jesus is getting after here with his instruction, do not judge, in the context of Scripture, in the context of this passage? Two main things, in my opinion. First one, did you notice all of the yous, Y-O-U's, in this passage? Do you notice how many? Look how many up front. Well, the first one is the implied subject. There's your one and only English grammar lesson this morning. But look at how he punches the yous. Don't you judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. It's the origin of that basketball chant when someone is fouled. You, 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 you. Six times. It's probably not really the origin of that. No, just kidding. Six times he focuses on you in this passage, which is fascinating. That number six is the number of humankind representing sin or disobedience. And, and so in my opinion then, Jesus is saying, don't judge using your own standards. You don't get to decide. I don't get to decide. We don't get to decide what makes something right or wrong. Only God does. Let me try and illustrate with a story. Suppose a police officer pulls someone over. Police officer taps on their window and says, do you realize, sir, that the posted speed limit is 35 miles an hour and that I clocked you doing 50? Can you imagine if that person stuck his head out of the window and said to the officer, judge not, lest ye be judged? <laughs> How's that going to turn out? <laughs> now, if the, guy, if the guy breaking the speed limit you know, is lucky. <laughs> if he's very lucky, lucky, um, the officer would keep her composure and she'd say something like, sir, you know, I'm not judging you. 
that judgment's already been made by an authority higher than either you or me. I didn't create the standard. I'm simply charged, like you, with following it, and I'm charged with the responsibility of making sure that it's enforced. I think that's what Jesus is after here. As believers, it's not our duty to create the standards of right or wrong. That's already been done by God. But it is our duty to evaluate, according to God's standards, on the basis of God's word, what's right or wrong. The scripture clearly and loudly tells us that. And when we do that, when we evaluate using God's standards and not our own, we're not judging. We're simply pointing to a judgment that's already been made by the one, the one and only who's qualified to make it. Does that make sense? Now, if you're like me, you hear that part and you're tempted to maybe say something like this, well, sweet, that's awesome. So I could go around judging everyone so long as I'm using the Bible. I can't wait to get home and start with my neighbor, Josephine. She's a real piece of work. This is going to be fun. And, you know, if, you have to, if we have to admit it, at least the human nature side of us, it's kind of fun to pick at other people's stuff and problems, isn't it? It's not? Well, maybe I'm the only one who thinks it's fun. It's fun to judge people. Okay, fantastic. I knew it. I knew I could do that. Well, um, not so fast, because there's more. Jesus continues by giving us as stern a warning as there is in all of Scripture. Even when we practice legitimate judgment, that is judgment based on God's word and pointing to his standards. And his warning seeks to find us right between the eyes. I picture It helps me to picture him turning and looking directly into my eyes and directly into our eyes. It's one of his finest teaching moments in all of Scripture when he turns to his followers and he says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? And then he repeats himself. And you all have been a students in enough circumstances in life to know that when a teacher repeats themselves, you pay attention, right? Because it's going to be on the test. And so... He repeats himself. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye, pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? P.S., there's humor here too, by the way. A lot of times we don't think of Jesus as being funny. But he has a delightful sense of humor. It's everywhere in the Gospels. I mean, can you imagine someone walking around with a big board in their eye? I think they all laughed when he drew that picture. And as crazy as that sounds, someone with a board in their eye, it's even more laughable, isn't it, that someone who literally had a board in their eye thinks the problem here is the speck of sawdust in someone else's eye. It's ridiculous. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye, pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? ha, 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 ha. 
How can you say to your brother, here, let me take that speck out of your own of oh, your, your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? <laughs> That's right. And then he comes up and he says, and he warms to his conclusion here, you hypocrite, you who are just acting and, and going through the motions, come on, first, take the plank out of your own eye so you can see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Duh. That part's a paraphrase. It's not in the... So Jesus is saying, don't judge with your own standards. And when you do judge with the proper standards, God's standards, do it in humility, and you first. This is apostle, the Apostle Paul's admonition, isn't it? To work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. You know, when judging, when applying God's word to someone's life, you need to be, we need to be that first someone, always. And when we offer a critique of uh, someone else's stuff, wow, that spirit better be humble, non-judgmental, empathetic, full of mercy, full of love. Jesus' warning here about this is so strong. He, he links our own judgment before God one day to this. So, hey, my strongest advice to you this morning, you know what? If, um, if we don't have our heart in a place, a transformational, humble spirit place over our own sin, if we're not completely ourselves overwhelmed by God's mercy and grace, given despite our own stuff, if the fact that Jesus died for us while we were yet sinners doesn't just drop us to our knees, don't even think about judging someone else's stuff. Any discerning that we do about someone else's sin or someone else's right or wrong, any discerning that we do in someone else's life, it's got to be on our knees. It's got to be on our knees before God, and it's got to be on our knees humbly with them. Judgment should never be given. Critique should never be given to our fellow human beings from some sort of standing better than thou pedestal because I'm better and I've got the answer and let me tell you what you're doing wrong and you should be more like me because I'm perfect. If we don't first own, who am I to judge? Then we shouldn't even open our mouths in judging and trying to bring discernment to others. Amen? I recently came across a story, to the best of my knowledge it's true, and I think it helps illustrate the point here. The story goes like this. Many years ago, an Episcopalian bishop 
was sailing to Europe on one of those great ocean liners. When he got on board, he was told he'd have to share his room with another passenger. He checked out the room, then he went up to the information desk and asked if he could put his gold watch and wallet in the ship's safe. The bishop explained to the clerk, I don't ordinarily do this, ordinarily do this, but he had been to his cabin and he didn't like the looks of his roommate. The clerk took the valuables from the bishop and said this, no problem, sir, I'll be glad to take care of them for you. Your roommate's already been here and left his stuff for the same reason. That's what Jesus is after here. You know, Jesus talks about the measure that we use in judging others. And when he does that, he is directly in line with all of the ancient Jewish rabbis and sages who always taught that God has two measures, a measure of justice and a measure of mercy. And then the rabbis ask, which do we use most often? And then they ask, and which would we prefer is used for us? Probably tell by the slides, Ready or Not, um, this wraps up, in fact, our Ready or Not series. How does the piece this morning fit? Well, if you're like me, when ready or not seasons happen in life, something unexpected comes up, uh, something you wouldn't plan, something crazy. When, for me, when I start to feel overwhelmed, I tend to forget to take the time needed to first examine any planks in my own eyes. And when I'm pressed in a ready-or-not season, my ability to discern is threatened. I, I don't want to take the time to do it. It's easier just to go with the flow and go on with it. And, and then another thing happens. I, I also tend to want to focus on, maybe it's a defensive measure, I don't know, but I also I want to focus on the problems of all these other difficult people around me and start judging them, not in the way we're supposed to necessarily. And you know when that happens, I'm not ready for those ready or not things. Instead, I need to hang on to the standards in God's word, not my own. And I need to make sure that I remain humble before God and humble before my brothers and sisters who he's given to me in his grace. And I need to continue to treat others with empathy and love and respect and with that measure of mercy. You want to be ready for the ready or not seasons in life? Remember back through the series one more time. 
You want to be ready? Then number your days. Realize that our time here is precious. We live to be a hundred. It will go by like this. And we've got the opportunity now to join in and partner with God in what he's doing. He desperately wants us to do it with him. He loves us that much. And you want to be ready for ready or not seasons in life. Make sure you find time for Sabbath rest. Time alone with God to work on your relationship with him. You want to be ready for ready or not seasons in life? Realize that that relationship with God, he tells us up front, it's necessarily going to include hard things. So when they happen, don't be surprised and panicked and thrown off by it. Instead, draw even closer to the one and only one who's with us and loves us and will protect us. And you want to be more ready than not for ready or not seasons in life? Boy, stay humble in your discernment of yourself and especially others. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for being a God who never lets us go. Thank you for being a God who loves us deeply and dearly no matter what. Thank you for being a God who pours over us in the light of Jesus' blood on the cross the measure of mercy and mercy and mercy and mercy again and again and again. Help us, Father, to maintain through the power of your Holy Spirit that same heart of mercy, mercy, mercy for all those around us again and again. Father, we love you. I just pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Would you stand, please, for the benediction? Whoa, we got done early. I think I probably owed you a few minutes. <laughs> Next week, we begin a new series. Boy, we're really excited about it. To tease the new series, here's the graphic. What do you think? Now, I've got to do the legal disclaimer thing. Any resemblance to any computer company out there is purely accidental. <laughs> I hope you come join us beginning next week. Ask a friend to come with you. In fact, ask both of your friends. That'd be great. <laughs> this morning's benediction, this morning's good words from God our Father comes um, from Jesus himself. Jesus, the one whose yoke is love God love others. Hear his words to you this morning again. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your 
souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. God bless you all. Have a blessed uh, Labor Day. Love you guys.